Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet since April 2014. And when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. And within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I usually say that I've lost about 100 pounds. In fact, I lost exactly 46 kilograms, which Ooh. is 101.2 pounds-ish. Awesome. And I completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in ketosis. Yeah, and reversing the progress of diabetes. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. We're not doctors. We don't want to give any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? You got it, Jack. Mm-hmm. We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, and we share the studies that we found in the show notes. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. Mm-hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that uh, you might like. So, <laughs> I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Let's start podcast number 143, Any Way You Can, with Dr. Annette Bosworth. Heard you say you do So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Last week was 142, uh, Professor Jake Kushner, pediatric endocrinologist. Uh, No, Jake was perfectly prepared and delivered a wonderful interview. Uh, I'm not sure about me, however. (laughs) I tend to have a problem in these interviews. I apologize for the fact that both in that interview and in Stephen Finney's interview, I kept on going, yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> all the time. Even I found that annoying, so my apologies. Well, you know, for that. when you're in the presence of greatness, sometimes, you know, things just come out of your mouth that you were, we're like, We're not what? worthy. We're not yeah, worthy. No I might have said that. I might have said that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Sure. It's one that puts you into a state of ketosis. And that basically means that you're using fat for energy rather than glucose. Yeah. And the way that you do that is you just don't eat any glucose. Right. Where does glucose come from? Sugar and starch. So limit yourself to 20 grams or less of sugar or starch. As far as protein goes, using protein to build your body, you're not using it as an energy source. So we use between one and one and a half grams per kilogram of lean mass. For me, it's between 80 and 120 grams a day of protein. Mm -hmm. All of my energy I'm getting from fat. Lovely, delicious fat. Yes. It's a great source of energy. It is. Very, it's the best. Very dense. It, yep, absolutely. And as you're going to hear later, mm-hmm. the brain really likes it. It does. So, Richard, how was your week? It was uh, pretty good. I did my final exam for first year. Yeah, I think I aced it. In fact, I know that I passed chemistry and aced the last exam. Nice. Well, the first exam I, I really needed to ace because I only just passed the first exam. The first exam was on the day after Keto Fest Down Under. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't prepare for it. I didn't study for it as much as I did for other exams. Mm-hmm. And I got 50%, only just passed. Um, mm. But the, the final exam, I just got the marks through and I did really well. In the final All exam. right. So you're going to live to see another year. 
Oh, I shall live to see another year. Awesome. I was going to pass anyway, but uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pass with honors. With honors. With honors, and then the biology, I did really well in biology in the final exam. So that's great. Uh, yep, no, I think I did okay. I always knew you were wicked smart. Yeah, wicked smart. <laughs> so, how was your week, Carl? Oh, really great. I'm doing another Ketoki Fried Chicken Meetup Keto Mini Fest mm-hmm. here at my house on Saturday, and uh, we're recording this on Friday. So by now, it's already happened. But. Um, mm. The, the Kentucky Fried Chicken, dare I say that brand uh, on a podcast, <laughs> uh, knockoff, the keto version of it, mm. was so popular at the last one I did, and people kept asking me to do it again. So that's happening. Although this time, Ms. Carrie Brown is in town, as is Ms. Kim Howerton. Nice. They are both coming to my house, too. Uh, and Excellent. Carrie's going to talk about what she talked about on this show, her her story mm-hmm. about dealing with uh, depression, bipolar, and uh, all of that. And and she's bringing ice cream. Mm, that's good. So, can't wait. Mm, nice. That's it. Let's uh, let's give away some swag, Richard. Sure. Every show, we pick a lucky winner at random from members of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And today, we're giving away a treasure trove of stuff from vendors we like, all of which you can find at fanclub.2keto.com. We should also mention a caveat. Most of our vendors can only ship inside the U.S. That's right. But if we happen to pick someone outside the U.S., we will find something to send you, but probably not all the stuff. So who's our winner this week? Today's winner is Joseph Gross. Congratulations, Joseph. Yes. Uh, Carl, let's tell everybody what Joseph's won. Yeah, it's almost embarrassing how much stuff is heading in Joseph's direction, but we're starting with a two keto dudes coffee mug that says, keep calm and keto on. Also, a signed copy of Lies My Doctor Told Me by Dr. Ken Berry online at lies.2keto.com. And a bottle of Stevia Sweet Barbecue Sauce, developed by a barbecue restaurant owner who plans to change the restaurant industry forever. Only two carbs per serving online at steviasweetbbq.com. And a cheese making kit from Wine and Way. Pan Zorn gave everybody at Keto Fest a kit so that they could make their own fresh mozzarella. It's available online at wineandway.com. That's W-I-N-E-A-N-D-W-H-E-Y.com. Oh, now you got me thinking of the burrata she made in mm. Breckenridge. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that was so she good. Made it, she <laughs> made it at Keto Fest as well. It was really good. Yeah. And yeah, I guess you can use it in that kit so long as you use cream instead of milk, right? Uh, well, you actually make cultured butter. You make a ball of cultured butter and then you wrap hot, fresh mozzarella around it and, and shake the ball around oh it. Oh, my, 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 my. That's what my. a is. Well, anyway, we digress. We're also giving away mm-hmm. a six-ounce cup of beef bone broth concentrate from Birthright Nutrition. Just add water, heat, stir, sip, and enjoy. Jam-packed with good stuff. More at birthrightnutrition.com. We're also giving away a bottle of Remag Magnesium Solution developed by Dr. Carolyn Dean along with a copy of her protocol and the Keto and Magnesium Manifesto online at magmiracle.com. And also a big bottle of Fasting Drops from Keto Chow. It's a well-formulated blend of electrolytes. You just drop a little in your water and fasting will be a breeze. Online at fastingdrops.2keto.com. By the way, I am two days fasted as we speak. I love fasting drops. I think they're awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a really nice form of salt. So It is. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend this product. That's not an endorsement. I just nope. think they're awesome. We're also giving away two bottles of Sated. That's one chocolate, one vanilla, online at sated.2keto.com. And from Keto & Co., a sampler six-pack, bag of brownies, four bags of different flavor cauliflower rices, and a bag of flatbread, online at ketoand.co. I had some of their flatbread. I got like uh, a dozen packets from Keto Fest. And, yeah. Uh, they're awesome. They're really it is, good. It is good. 
And finally, we're giving away a bag of everything bagels from yes. Fox Hill Kitchens. That's made with yeast, but no wheat or gluten. Uh, that's available online at bread.2keto.com. And this is the bread that was used to make the Grilled cheese sandwiches, yeah. Grilled cheese sandwiches at uh, Keto Fest, so it's otherwise known as Julie Bagels. Julie Bagels, yeah. And uh, Julie is coming down from Vermont for tomorrow, and she's bringing some chicken liver pate to put on top of her toasted uh, so bread. It's just That's going to be a great appy. Well, anyway, if you don't want to wait to win some swag, you can buy all sorts of it online at gear.2keto.com, which lands us squarely in the realm of... Mail. Mail. Short, sweet, to the point. I'm sorry. <laughs> what you got, Carl? Okay. Well, mine is from the great big keto before and after thread on our forum, which mm-hmm. you can get to at success.2keto.com. This is from Grant McDonald, and his before and after picture is nothing short of remarkable. He says, uh, yesterday, November 14th, was my first year ketoversary. Thus far, I have lost 144 pounds. Nice. Well done, Grant. He says, I thank the Lord for leading me to the two keto dudes. When I started, I couldn't even walk home, a seven-minute walk, without stopping to rest. Since November 14th, I have walked three... Whoa. I have walked million. <laughs> Jesus, I have to read this again. This is a yeah. this is a huge number. Since November 14, I have walked 3,364,717 steps or 2,22.6 kilometers. Wow. Oh my. Wow. I loved walking, but I could no longer do it. My prayer was to finally get back to a place where I would love walking again. Done. Mm. The before picture was me a couple years ago. I was not at my heaviest and could still walk quite a distance. The after picture was me in October, and I have lost more weight since then. I can't wait to see what the next year brings, and keto is a way of life for me, not a diet. Yep. Thanks to Carl and Richard for being such a tremendous inspiration. Yeah, you're welcome, Grant. Yeah, well done. Well, you know, the, it, this thread just never ceases to amaze me, and it's public. You can just share the link, success.2keto.com with anyone for inspiration. What do you got, Richard? So, mine is actually a mail that I sent. <laughs> okay. So, a year ago, I had a great conversation with uh, Dr. David Ludwig. He is a Harvard researcher and mm-hmm. endocrinologist who was doing a sabbatical in Sydney, working with Jenny Brand Miller at uh, Sydney University. Mm-hmm. And he did a paper... Many years ago, it was a study where he tested a low-carb diet versus a high-carb diet, and he was able to find uh, an advantage for the low-carb diet. But the problem was he was using Atkins diets. He was using oh. a diet diet out of a book, and the, and he was trying to be faithful to the diet in the book. And so the two different diets, the high-carb and the low-carb diet, had different amounts of protein. Mm. And so even though the low-carb diet showed that people lost more weight on a low-carb diet, Mm -hmm. it was open to the accusation that there were different levels of protein and because the low-carb diet had low protein, less protein, that it was a confound. Right. And so for many years, people have said, oh, you know, this doesn't show that calories in, calories out doesn't work because, you know, there's a confound because there's different amounts of protein and everybody knows that protein is the most important macronutrient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, 
uh, long story short, we had a great conversation. We were talking about this. This was on International Diabetes Day. Well, flash forward 12 months, and Dr. Ludwig has just released a new study, and this was actually funded by Gary Taubes and Nusi. Oh. And you might remember Gary Taubes, when we interviewed him, he said that there is a study on its way coming out that should be interesting, but he didn't right. want to give away the details. Well, this is David Ludwig's study. Ah. And this was a, the, the title of the study is Effects of a Low-Carbohydrate Diet on Energy Expenditure During Weight Loss Maintenance Randomized Trial. Interesting. So what he did was he took 164 adults aged between 18 and 65 years with a BMI of 25 or more. So they were overweight people. 164 adult overweight people. Okay. So what they did with this study was they got these people to lose 12% of their body weight, 12% weight loss, within plus or minus 2%. Uh, and this was called a run-in diet. So it's basically calorie-restricted. These people were in a metabolic ward, so they were the only food that they could eat was the food that they were given. Mm -hmm. uh, and once they had all lost 12% of body weight, their participants were randomly assigned to one of three test diets according to carbohydrate content. Now, remember, protein was consistent across all of these diets. So nobody yeah. could say, oh, this is just a, a, you're just observing a difference in protein. These people all getting the same amount of protein. And the three diets were a high-carbohydrate diet, which was 60% of energy from carbohydrate, a moderate carbohydrate diet, which is 40% of energy from carbohydrate, or a low carbohydrate diet, which is 20% of energy from carbohydrates. Now, this is none of these are ketogenic. This is just how do people uh, differ in their fundamental measurements when they're eating a high carb, moderate carb, or lowish carb diet right. uh, for 20 weeks. And these test diets were controlled for protein, as I said, so that the protein was consistent across all three diets okay. and they were energy matched to maintain a weight loss within two kilograms so if you were losing weight you were given more food given mm. more calories mm. in the in the proportion of the calories that uh that your diet was assigned to you uh, and so they were trying to work out what their engines would run like based on these different amount of carbohydrate right the results of this were 52 kilocalories per day uh, extra energy burned for every 10% decrease in the amount of carbohydrates to their total energy intake. There you so go. So here's the thing. The less carbs you eat, the more energy you burn. Or the higher your calories out. The higher your calories out, exactly. <laughs> your calories out change based on what you eat, which is what we've been saying from the beginning. So you could rebrand it carb calories in, lower calories out. <laughs> you, exactly. So, so the the total energy expenditure for the people on the high carb diet, and this is a sixty percent of calories uh, were from carbohydrates. Their total energy expenditure during the day was twenty nine fifteen, two thousand nine hundred and fifteen kilocalories per day. Mm. The people in the intermediate diet, this is moderate, forty percent of energy from carbohydrates were thirty thirty. So they were almost another 100 kilocalories per day, extra energy that they were burning. Now, remember, they were all losing weight at exactly the same gradient. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? That is fascinating. And so these people, and these people were burning more energy. And then the people who are on the very low-carbohydrate diet, well, they were 3,110 3, kilocalories per day. Um, now, people on a ketogenic diet... Uh, at like 5% of calories. So, 
you can add probably an extra 75 uh, kilocalories a day on top of mm. the low-carb amount. Wow. So anyway, the mail is a mail that I sent to Dr. Ludwig congratulating him for a wonderful study, and I'm looking forward to citing it in my own research one day. Wow, that's fantastic. That's my mail for the day. Awesome. That is that is fantastic. We just have ought to have another segment called uh, Richard on Science. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally serious. Uh, anyway. Well, I'm actually going to do a video series uh, where I debunk uh, science. So, uh, Oh, I can't uh, wait for that, something that I'm That's something I'm planning to do for next year, yeah. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. All that science is making me want to hear from a real doctor. Yeah, let's uh, bring Dr. Bosworth on. Well, it is my great privilege to introduce Dr. Annette Bosworth, and uh, she is an internist, an internal medicine doctor, and has spent uh, many years of her life thinking about how to heal root causes of, uh, of her patients, and that has led her ultimately to the ketogenic diet. She wrote a book about, uh, well, a lot of things, but the main character was her mother, um, who was suffering from um, a, a very uh, aggressive form of cancer, and she was able to bring her back from the brink with that. Uh, she's also helping numerous people in the keto world and with addictions and with uh, all sorts of things. She's just a, a, a Brandon uh, who edits this show, Brandon Wen calls her house. It was one of our guests. Yes. Uh, calls her house. She's like Dr. House. Um, so welcome, Annette. Well, it is an incredible honor to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And it's, I feel, I feel like I'm with a couple of stars. No, oh, likewise. No, we're the ones who feel grateful. <laughs> Absolutely. You're the rock star here, as far as oh. we're concerned. Mm-hmm. I think you did a great job of it explaining uh internal medicine one of the problems with our specialty is nobody knows what that means yeah you say i'm an internal medicine doctor and they're like huh like my eyes kind of gloss over (laughs) there's external medicine (laughs) yeah it seems very general so in other words you don't do skin (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i think a better term like we need a marketing campaign because uh one of the Mm. one of the when you're in your training you have these professors that are like incredibly knowledgeable and they give you quarterly reports and my favorite report that I got probably in my second year of residency was well you sure have a lot of personality for this specialty oh (laughs) oh and I thought oh yeah it is about a lot of cerebral very intelligent people and uh can you try to be a little more dull (laughs) that would be (laughs) great (laughs) Exactly. There's my problem. It's been recurring for years. (laughs) Well, and you're very outspoken, too. You're not just a doctor, but you're an an activist who has 12 felonies for your activism. Which are removed. How did that happen? Yeah, what's that all about? 12-time felon. Like, that's like, like, I don't take it to the edge and get one felony. I got 12. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, I, I didn't back down when it got scary, I suppose. So I'm an internist and I have been serving patients for over 20 years. And again, we take care of the long game, the chronic illnesses. Right. And one of the places that I served for, uh, it has been the underserved in my community. And I live in South Dakota. We have four of the top 10 poorest counties in the country. Mm. And there's lots of brown skin on those counties. 
Yeah. So while I was taking care of kids in my shelter, uh, they were teenagers and I also do a lot of mission work and these teenagers were eating kitty litter. Oh my. Yeah. The ashes off of the top of matchsticks. Oh yeah. One girl was like, she thought she was crazy because she'd go into the bathroom and she'd eat toilet paper. And I'm like, uh oh, I know this. <sighs> and anyway, wow. longer story is this is pica syndrome. This is if you ever had a woman at the end of pregnancy who's just chewing on ice mm. and she, mm. yeah, she is not uh, getting any nutrition out of that ice. It's just ice. Uh, but that's a syndrome where you crave things and they don't have to have a nutritional substance in them. They just crave things. Huh. And in third world countries, they have, they have bread made out of clay or mm. dirt. And um, again, same problem. They're very low on iron. They're very malnourished. But one of the things that the uh, low carb conference, the first one I ever like studied diligently talked about this dual burden, which is obesity and malnourishment. Yeah. And boy, the folks that in my in my shelter had this. And, you know, that there's an incredibly sad story that begins that leads to 12 felonies. So this does go somewhere. Mm. Um, he, the <laughs> uh, the young girl was 13, hasn't has had a mom who's been in in prison due to addiction. Uh, her, the family unit is apart. And she's been sitting in her timeout chair in the shelter for over two weeks. Huh. And when I ask, I know it's awful. And I asked the, the, the counselor, what, what's wrong with her? And the counselor says, oh, she's being stubborn. Yeah. She won't mm. do her homework. And I'm like, oh, I know stubborn. And mm. dang, that is not stubborn. Mm. So she's a, she's owned by the state at this point. So it takes like 10 days to get the paperwork. I'm like, let me see her. And mm. she's the girl who whispered, I think I'm crazy. Oh. And she was the one who would go into the bathroom and eat toilet paper. And I said, I don't think you're crazy, honey. Let me check some labs. And ferritin, you guys have talked about ferritin, is this little protein that, or this molecule that carries around iron. Yeah. And if you get it below 30, you're kind of low. It's hard to repair a brain when that ferritin is below 30. We love it above 50. If you get below 20 and you want a kidney transplant, um, I've got to give you some iron in the vein to get the iron up because it means uh, ferritin is like the bus that carries iron around. Hmm. Yeah, it's how we sequester it away from bacteria, right? Yeah, and it's also how we transport it from the liver um, or from the bone marrow, from the liver to the bone marrow to get um, your red blood cells made with really nice hemoglobin so it can carry good oxygen. Hmm. Yeah. So her ferritin was Less than four. Oh, my. And I said, oh, they, the lab must be wrong. Let me do that again. Nope, it was less than four. And so I did the first, you know, smart thing, which was buy them liver. Yeah, right. <laughs> say not, not so smart <laughs> thing. They're teenagers in a shelter. That must have gone over really well. <laughs> yeah, right. Could at least done some Broschwager. We're from South Dakota. We have that in our convenience stores here. Right, right. Go CJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we failed. So then I moved on to doing something that had never been done in South Dakota, which was here these kids are so, low. I mean, I tested all of them and we had a, an abundance of this really low iron uh, and they were all coming from reservations where, again, this dual burdency of mm. obesity and malnourishment. Mm. Anyway, this started a, a fight with the government because um, I ordered something that hadn't been done or approved in my state, but had been done medically, uh, which is, well, 
do what I do with a kidney transplant patient and just give them the iron in the vein. Yeah. And, um, you know, they do this to premature babies. This is a right. safe thing to do, especially when it's that low. Yeah. So, wait a minute. So, somebody filed an objection and you found yourself in jail? What? I want the, yeah. what's so the dirt, is, man? The, the dirt gets, <laughs> it's so messy. Uh you know, I, they said, this is Cadillac medicine. And I would just get sticky notes saying, warning me, you know, this is Cadillac medicine. What do they mean by that? Uh, yeah. it's Well, I didn't know either, but about the third sticky yeah. note, I'm getting the message. This is coming from the state government. This wasn't a filing. It was oh. just, yeah, this was naughty. Anyway, so I said, forget it. I'll pay for the iron. It's not that expensive. I mean, it's right. 300 bucks a kid and you can't believe the transition. I mean, I gave that gal after trying the liver and we finally gave her IV iron and I walked in the next week. I'd given it to her on a Friday. I saw her on a Tuesday and from across the room, she says, Dr. Bosworth. <laughs> and I, cr- I, I just got goosebumps because mm. it was mm. her brain was awakening. Right. And I'm like, Oh, within a week, her homework was done. Uh, it, it's a, just an incredible story of what happens when malnourishment is chronic. Mm. And that's what internal medicine does is we take care of long-term problems like heart disease and blood pressure and cholesterol and cancer and addiction. All of these aren't things you're going to fix in a week. This is how do we change behavior right. for the long game. So, the 12 felonies, they come back. So, I, yeah. I get accused of Medicaid fraud. Because they think that I'm getting a kickback from this iron. Ah, because in other words, you would nobody would just do that because out of their own <laughs> right. heart, doctors don't help people like that. She must right. have an ulterior motive. Right. And when you're in a system, you know that old adage that if you want to see what somebody's insecure about, watch what they pick on on other people. Like watch yes. what they point out. So if they if they say, "Oh, that person gossips all the time," like, right? Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the projection. It's uh, that's what we do as humans. We project what we don't like about ourselves, mm-hmm. what we want to control about ourselves, onto other people. So it makes us feel bad when we do that ourselves. So when a system is pointing out, boy, there must be something with the money. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's <laughs> the state of South they Dakota. Doff protest too much, right? So, so from an accusation to a felony, that that uh, how do you, how do you get from there? Yeah, well, so you you tick off the wrong people in a system that's very stressed, hmm. very stressed system. Right. I mean, you can't can't help but look at America and say that the medical delivery system, especially for the underserved, is a stressed system. And if you start pointing fingers, and I wasn't shy about it, I wasn't as graceful as I could have been. I was trying to be advocating for these kids and. Hmm just really didn't un- understand how much it was going to unsettle the leadership. So I get um, accused of Medicaid fraud, uh, which means all money stops. And I'm a daughter of a miser. I was living in a normal house and I had a car and I had a lake house and a boat. Yeah, I sold all that. And before this problem gets solved, my family's living in a donated RV on 12th Street. Wow. wow. For six oh, months my. in the winter of South Dakota. Wow. So yeah, there's three kids in a, you know, sleeping above the bunks of the two driver's seats mm-hmm. and um that's a cold winter. I got to ask you though, how how long have you been practicing medicine? How many years? 20 years. Okay. And when in that journey did you realize, you know, I don't want to just give out prescriptions. I want to tackle root causes. Yeah. You know, I think that was the, the there's a very analytical side to medicine that I really enjoy. And that was 
the core drive of what I was seeking in medicine was I'm from a small community. I believe that you're connected and responsible for that community. And you take all these oaths in medical school that say you're going to give back, you're going to teach, you're going to protect, you're going to advocate, you be the advocacy. Uh, and boy, uh, so it's been root in who I am. But I think uh, my first 10 years in practice were in Utah, where there was a different culture. And I fit in very well. I was in, you know, I, I really excelled. And then I moved back to my home state. Mm. And I wanted a culture that I had been from. And essentially, I didn't look around enough to say, oh, the rules are different here. Mm. So, uh, it's my own fault. I take full responsibility for all 12 felonies. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the attorney general hears this, I take full responsibility. Do wow. not put me back in prison. I didn't actually go to prison. I got sentenced to 24 years in prison, though. Wow. Uh, for Yeah. So, here, here I'm living in the RV, and I get a call from Washington, D.C. saying, um, you sh- there's an open seat in, the, in South Dakota for the United States Senate. Mm. And... My advocacy has been in many branches. I'd never touched politics before, but I was very active about saying it's important that we ha- have good leaders and we, you know, we have good policies and my kids are in debate. I mean, I'm, we really are a family that's engaged in our community. Mm. So they fly me to Washington, D.C. They say, you should run. I said, dang, I'm a first time candidate. That's, that's going to be a tough win. He's like, you don't need to win. You just need to run. You need to have that conversation. You're a business owner. You've been, had a run in with the government. You understand what happens with a one payer system and you're a really good advocacy for doctors and for patients. So, uh, I actually had to sell a couch to buy the gas to <laughs> drive to my own announcement. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. I know the guy from the SEC, the 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 guy, uh, not SEC, um, the 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 money of campaigns. I'm forgetting their th- acronym. Oh. Anyway, he he says, I will tell you, Doctor Bosworth, that I have reviewed, you know, hundreds of of candidates, thousands of candidates over the years, and you by far are the poorest. And I mean that financially, <laughs> not in the character right. <laughs> candidate I've ever evaluated. <laughs> yeah. So I threw my hat in the ring. I I really had fun. It was amazing to to be able to talk about the issues that I was seeing behind the closed door of an exam room. I mean, this is 2013 that I'm running. The election was in 2014, mm. and everything was about: Are we going to have a you know what happens with a one payer system? What are the downsides? And nobody was talking about the reality of saying: If I want to give IV iron to somebody who's chewing on matchsticks, I get scolded because oh. Nobody's done that in your area. Right. Who cares that science has already said, this is a really good answer. It's fast. It's quick. They will have the best. That's my job as the physician. Yeah. Oh, but I've been scolded. I have lost all of my savings. I had, I sold every, I mean, thank God I didn't have loans. I, I just sold house. I sold the car. I sold this, sold that, sold this. Yeah. Until we were empty. And, and then, you know, what happens when an authentic person runs for for an office, not always, but in my case, it was incredible. I mean, mudslinging. No, I, I, I raised a ton of money. Oh, um, good. Yeah. So by, uh, by January, which is now six months in, I'm truly exhausted and I have a lot of energy. Mm. Um, but I've outraised my, my opponents and I'm doing it $45 at a time. Wow. So small campaigns in the world of politics, you can't see who's donating when you do that. Right. So I have these hidden donors. Um, and I decide 
I got to go fill up. This is heavy. I, I didn't think I was going to do this well. And now I'm nervous and exhausted. Mm. So I had been called to do another mission trip in the Philippines, which is Typhoon Yolanda had happened. Mm. And here's where the felonies come in. So uh, <laughs> Typhoon Yolanda had happened. And they said, Dr. Bosworth, you've done this so many times. Would you please bring a team? Two thirds of the uh, of the population has been washed away in this. It's incredible. And of course, if I'm going to restore myself, I go to a place and serve. Uh, and especially if you can serve without having to do charting, <laughs> that's even better. Mm. So here we were in the Philippines, and it was amazing. And I took my some of my campaign team. I took um, my my campaign advisor with me. He had never been on this type of a trip, and we did great work. But while I was away, I left petitions in my office and had given them to some preachers and said, I need to get names for, I need to have, I need to have people sign my petition. Mm. So my sister signed it, my staff signed it. Um, and I felt like I was the circulator and I didn't really understand the rules. I just knew that it was at my office and it was under my care and I knew these people. So, you know, 90 days go by, you know, the, the mission trip only happened 11 days, but, um, this is also the time when the money comes out. So the quarter was reported for the campaign and I was number one in the clubhouse. I'd raised 760000 or $770,000 in wow. the 90 days. Yeah, it was impressive. All in $45 increments, right? Yes, yes. Wow. My opponent, who is now the U.S. Senator, raised mm. his in an average of $10,000. So he had very few donors. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he was, uh, he was in the national news for using uh, stock images in his family <laughs> commercial. Hmm. So it was oh, a Christ. very embarrassing day, a uh, difficult day. But, you know, it's campaigns and they pick on things that you're like, oh, it sounded like a good idea at the time. I'm sure it was what happened. And, mm -hmm. But they were, you know, pretty rough on him. And that's what happens when you're the leader. And it was the next day where um, I knew something was wrong because I had been going to these things called Lincoln Day dinners and I'd walk in a room and it was like a magnet. Everybody wanted to talk to me. And mm. something was up because I walked in the room and every time I walked towards someone, they would walk away. Ooh. And I turned to my husband and said, something's wrong. I'd check my deodorant if that was yeah, me. Yeah, right? It was really scary because I'm like, this is a big game. I didn't plan on doing this well. Mm. And um, so, in the fine print under those little signatures, now there's six, six six petitions that were under question because they were all signed by me, but they were circulated while I was in the Philippines. And so, it says in really fine print that I uh, I attest that I witnessed these signatures, and um, I, I I didn't witness them. I know them. Uh, and from what I understood about the collection of petitions, first time I'd ever done it, you'd take these petitions to a basketball game, you'd pass it down and say, anybody, I want to be on the ballot, sign my petition. But, and that considered, uh, that's considered safe, but mm -hmm. it's not safe if you leave it in your medical clinic while you go on a mission trip and your staff signs it. Ooh. So, yeah. So there was 30 some signatures. Uh, only about 15 of them were used on the count. Uh, for I needed in South Dakota, you needed about 2000 signatures. We had 3000 legal signatures. Uh, those are not counting the ones that the felt. So we had a thousand extra. And uh, the day of election, I was, uh, I was arrested. 
uh, for six petitions that I didn't witness the signatures. Come on. So that was called perjury. And then hmm. six uh, felonies for filing those documents with the state of South Dakota. You know, those six signatures could have made your election. <laughs> those were really important signatures <laughs> yeah, in the grand and, scheme of things. Not really. Right. But it's, I think it's a very big metaphor. So here's some things. Here's some truths. Um, yeah, I'm the first person in the history of the United States of America to ever be charged with, let alone found guilty of felonious behavior of real live people signing a petition, meaning it's supposed wow. <laughs> to be a low barrier to entrance to get you on a, on a ballot. It's supposed to just say, yes, the community says yes. Um, the only other pe person in the history of the United States to be arrested for the same crime was my husband 18 months later when he ran against the attorney general of South Dakota, which mm. is the same person filing the, mm. yeah. Anyway, oh, man. so he fell for years, the same thing. Uh, well, he was in the he was on the mission trip with me, and he had signed one oh, petition that he had circulated, or he had you know mm. said sign this. I'll I'll grab it for me when I get back from the trip, and he did. But the 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 voters signed the petition while we were in the Philippines, so they said, "Oh, you couldn't have witnessed their signature." Right. Anyway, so the punchline was um, when you tick off the wrong people in a very unstable environment, mm -hmm. it's like porcelain. It may be strong, but sending a vibration through the system will crack the pot. I, I got This is an amazing story. I, I got to tell you and switch gears for a minute. I, I've been listening to your audiobook, which is fantastic, by the way, any way you can. And Thank you. One of the things that I was really impressed by, and I know Richard will be too, is that you went looking when you were sort of trying to figure out the ketogenic diet and is it safe? And there's so much science. And there's so much clouded messaging out there. How do you find the, the real answer? And you went to two sources, which I thought was brilliant. One, you went to the U.S. government in, and, and the defense. armed yep. forces because they don't, they don't have an axe to grind except that they want their soldiers to be healthy. And uh, I, I'm going to let you pick up the story from here, but I thought it was just brilliant to use that as a source. Yeah, I mean, I think that is part of the brain of being an internal medicine physician, too, is leave out the personality. When I really have this drive to understand at a, at a level that gives me the confidence to then translate what's in my mind to motivate the person in front of me. And so Department of Defense, uh, you know, they get the right to keep to keep secrets uh, in the name of our our security. Uh, but at a certain time, they released those secrets. So in 2015, uh, I started to see evidence that um, I'd never heard of before. Like, why would somebody who is a scuba diver be talking about something called a ketone? And what does mm. that have to do with how are they connected? And so Tom it's only, I think. Yes, yes, that's how they're connected. That that is mm -hmm. totally the man that I landed on too. And of course mm -hmm. he does a great job of teaching and is very committed to teaching. He speaks a language that I really love, which is, you know, understand the science, uh, put it on the table, and then try not to embellish. Because <laughs> it's it is pretty mm -hmm. fantastic when you say, wait a minute, we took these scuba divers who are wearing these really cool masks that don't allow bubbles so that nobody can see where they're diving. But the danger was if you don't go up for air, you're going to have a seizure. And pfft, seizures are pretty bad on brains. I mean, but they're really bad when you're 30 feet underwater. And 
their approach of using a seizure drug was just as awful as our approach has been, which is, yes, we can make the seizures less. But boy, you want to see somebody that's non-compliant, you give yeah. a, na- a Navy SEAL something that's going to slow down his reaction and decrease his mental clarity or his reaction time. Yeah, they're not going to take that medicine. So that was step one where they were able to decrease the seizures. And then there's something you can't argue with. These Navy SEALs do things like, I mean, they're like, I grow more chest hairs than you because I can hold my breath underwater longer than you. Okay. So you can't fake that. It's not like it's a, you can skew the data. You're like, it's a second count. You know, it's a timer. And when they could take their breath hold time to such an improved number, just by being in, and even if it was exogenous ketones, they still did an amazing improvement in their metabolism. I'm like, that's Mm. cool. I have really sick people that don't, have the strength to do a ketogenic diet some days, could I use that? And at this point, I didn't even know how to think through that. And the idea of Navy SEALs being paid off by a drug company (laughs) is ludicrous, right? Right. Right. They just want to perform well. And so here you have, you know, a really good translator of the science, which was Dom Diagostino. Uh, Very uh, great, like clear cut. I don't think there's any wiggle room here for them to squish the numbers for me. And so then the next one was a little harder to find, but man, it was so powerful to me. And that is, you know, you go back and you start looking at ketones and you can't help but land at the Charlie Institute, which talks about kids with seizures. But if you take a history lesson back further than that, if you were unlucky enough in the 1960s to have childhood seizures and then you failed on these seizure medications... They would admit the whole family to the hospital so that the whole family would understand, how do you get this kid to pee a ketone? And boy, oh boy, their seizures would decrease and they did so much better. But you had almost forced compliance for a lifetime for these patients who, if they went off the ketogenic diet, they had a seizure. So I'm in the long game. If my patients are not compliant, often it can take me years to figure out that they're not really taking the medicine the way I wanted them to. But if mm. you're a seizure a seizure patient on a ketogenic diet, uh, these specifically with really fragile seizures, they go off the diet, boom, they had a seizure. So yeah. what was important in my time is I was lucky enough to be seeing some of the autopsies. They were put into a study and they did one of these like, unheard of things, which is, we're going to put you in a study and we want to look at your brain when you die. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's got to be funded by government because there's no way a drug company is going to wait around that long. It's just too expensive. But there are several autopsies now that look at these brains of childhood seizures. And I get to look at lots of autopsy brain pictures to learn from. And I, I, I really do have a passion for making brains work the best we know how. And I would never have envy for a brain that's had seizures. There's holes, right. there's scars, there's, there's asymmetry, they're smaller, there's plaques, lots of problems, lots of chronic inflammation. So, Annette, did you go back to the Mayo Clinic stuff in the 20s, uh, Wilder's Mayo Clinic, um, when the ketogenic diet was first uh, proposed and um, and formulated? So, I saw a little bit about that, but I didn't, that wasn't where my energy ended up. I 
I had a great researcher who, I mean, I must have had 500 emails saying, here's the search that I found when studying the ketogenic diet. <laughs> mm. But tell, tell me about what you're talking about there. So in the 20s, uh, it was discovered that um, that uh, a ketogenic diet was a, a treatment for refractory epilepsy. And it, it, it actually was a historical thing that... Uh, um, that uh, one of the researchers was uh, was looking for um, stories of um, of uh, historical treatments for for epilepsy, and uh, one of them goes back to uh, Roman days when, um, of course, uh, Julius Caesar was a well known epileptic, and and that what they used to do was uh, they used to fast epileptics. And I think it was uh, Dr. Russell Wilder in 1924 at the Mayo Clinic who who basically formulated this as uh, as, as as the original uh, formulation to to, to treat uh, epilepsy and and as you say, I mean it was in the 60s. This, this is this is what happened when you um, uh, when you had a child who was unable to be treated by drugs. And one of the things that Dr. D'Agostino found was that that when he was trying to treat Navy divers, um, he could reduce the the frequency of the epileptic seizures, but he couldn't. Re- he couldn't totally prevent them, and and this was something you know you don't want a, a navy diver who's silently swimming around landmines to all of a sudden um, have a seizure. And uh, he found this work from uh, Russell Wilder from the Mayo Clinic, and then was able to leverage that for for navy research to treat navy seals. So it reminds me where I now I know where I learned that. You know, sometimes you find in fact and you got to noodle back where did that enter my head. So the first conference I went to when it came to like reformatting how I was going to think about my whole medical practice uh, mm. was Dom Diagostino's first conference in 2000, January 2017. Um, everything else before this point I'd been learning on my own, taking notes, finding a way to just teach myself what I didn't know. Um, and uh, this conference I went to was in uh, Tampa Bay at, at the Dom Diagostino's University, University of South Florida, I think. Um, yep. Anyway, he had a couple of, I, I recruited my husband who's not a doctor. I said, Chad, I just, I need you to go in that room and take notes from the, those lectures. And I'm going to go in this room and take notes from these lectures. <laughs> and <laughs> my husband made it like a day and a half and said, I'm going to the beach. Ah. I got you plenty of notes. <laughs> but in one of those, he said, this guy from the, from the Navy, it was doing this. Uh, and then there was a, a gentle, I'm totally going to forget their names. I'm sorry. But they had done this research where uh, this history lesson on where did we, you know, sometimes the, the things we've forgotten are the ones that have the answers. And mm. uh, he went through the history of the ketogenic diet and this study that you're talking about on how that's what the Navy used, that Department of Defense stuff that I had found. That was what attracted them to say, let's look closer into this. And, and what you, a cool deal. You were telling the story about the cadavers. Yes. So you don't get to go to a cadaver lab and have brain envy for somebody who has a diagnosis of seizures. Mm. But the cool part about the brain is when you provide an environment that is high in fat, high in the nutrients that it needs, and low in inflammation, it's amazing how well it will repair. And in a time where we have more Alzheimer's hitting our world than we've ever before, I don't know if I'd ever seen an autopsy report that didn't have an 80-year-old with, with, with neurofibril tangles, with plaques in it. 
And mm. this report just kept remarking the age of this patient is in the 80s and the pathology is so remarkable for a youthful looking you know, cell under a microscope. Now, these were cadavers of epileptics who'd been doing a ketogenic diet all their lives, right? Yes. And those are the ones with the forced compliance, like, mm. you go off the diet, we're going to know, you're yeah. going to know. And they had, uh, and they also had no cancer. Yeah, that was the other thing, is that you look at the cancer cells that um, anybody that has life going through them is going to have some cancer cells, but your body's built to to re to reverse that, to address that. And, you know, it's kind of like how many battles do you fight today and how strong is your army is that equation for fighting cancer. And um, they kept remarking, we have, you know, we don't have any cancer cells. We can't find any cancer cells in these reports. And, you know, they, they have language that's very technical and they kind of hedge. But the truth is they didn't find any. Um, and they, they were, I think, a little like, huh, that's very interesting as well. Yeah. And there's only a few, so you're not going to see a ton of these autopsies get to your front page of the medical journals because there's only a couple. And me medicine likes numbers. We like to see that 2,000 people have been helped by this. Now we can recommend it to the public. Right. Um, unlike, yeah, the, I'm from South Dakota, which is where George McGovern, uh, it, he was right. our senator. And he's the guy that sort of passed the guidelines first right oh yeah he's the guy who said we don't have time to wait to be sure right right he did he was about numbers in a different way he mm. had voting numbers that he was looking at and i mean th that's m i'm a fifth generation south dakotan those are my history lessons of corn and beans is grown on every acre of the state because right. of that decision so locally are you a heretic then what do you mean <laughs> you don't eat grain i'm a 12-time <laughs> felon are you kidding me <laughs> Well, you know, uh, cadavers don't lie. And these, how often do you get a chance to look directly at the brains of people who've spent their lives on a ketogenic diet and they're squeaky oh, it, clean? It was remarkable. It was such an amazing, uh, like, I, I was interested in what I was hearing. But when I could find evidence like that, I, I canceled my clinic. That's like, I'm in private practice. That's ridiculous decision hmm. but i'm like i don't i can't ethically f i can't go on until i stop the noise and understand what it is that i've either forgotten or never knew about a ketogenic diet and um it was the best investment of time ever because it um not only saved my mother's life but hmm. has changed everything about what i want to do in the next chapter of my life hmm. Yeah. So our audio editor, Brandon Wen, uh, calls you Dr. House, and he tells <laughs> a fascinating story of, uh, of KetoFest this year. Apparently, he says you diagnosed him from across the room. Is there any <laughs> yeah. truth to that? Totally. I went to KetoFest, <laughs> and I didn't know anyone. I knew your voices, and I, I think we exchanged a couple of emails before that, but... Oh, and I had reached out to one of the people on this podcast who was supposed to be there... And I thought, okay, if he's coming from a different country, I'm going to put the, you know, I'm just going to take the time and go. And then he canceled. <laughs> so I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't, I don't know anyone here. Mm. And you had, you'd lost your luggage as well, hadn't you? Because yes, I remember when, I, when we met, you, you came up to me and you said, I, you know, I, I, I lost my luggage on the way here. 
<laughs> yes, I had. I went to a, a thrift shop and said, "I'm going to find the cutest dress I can find, and we're going to call this a great day." Because <laughs> <laughs> all my money was in it, it was like awful. Anyway, mm. but I, I was there, and you know, I got to watch a lot. And I'm a very social person, but I was really intent on saying I want to absorb as much as possible. I wanted to shake hands with a few people that I had, you know, heard about. Uh, so I got to meet Mr. Dr. Westman. Uh, I got, mm-hmm. I had met Jimmy Moore at that conference in um, South Florida. And then Daisy, I actually met Daisy there. So anyway, as I'm watching Brand, uh, I didn't know he was, I thought he was, you know, kind of multiple roles happen at your conference. But so yeah. I would watch mm-hmm. him across the room. And every time he'd turn around, I'm like, oh, he doesn't know. Uh, but his, uh, so one of the signs of a history of various, of malnourishment is, mm-hmm. um, the hair part in your in your scalp. So iron is important for lots of things, but if you're going to be low on iron, you're not going to grow healthy hair. And uh, as a young man, if you can see the part of your hair from across the room, and I, I mean, I could measure, there's a special measurement you use to say, how much alopecia do they have? How much hair loss have they had? And I'm like, oh, he's got at least an inch of malnourishment. I mean, it's, wow. it's not been going on a week or a day. This is a decade of malnourishment. And uh, it's just a goofy thing I do. It's da- dangerous to hang out with me too long. Um, <clears throat> and <laughs> so I keep watching this guy. And and then at the final day, I don't fly home till the next day. And so I'm hanging out with just the people who didn't rush away. And I've made contact with Daisy and she wants me to introduce me to Brandon. And he's super busy and he's done. You know, like that end of performance time. I don't want one more person to tell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can tell like, I don't know if you're going to go get drunk or what you're ready to do, but you are done, man. And so I really wanted to make a connection with him though, because I felt compelled to say, you should just like eat a bunch of liver because you have such iron deficiency. So I began the conversation with, so do you know you're iron deficient or is this news to you? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's, it it is, um, uh, it was a guess, but it's, I've, you know, I, you don't do mission work in Haiti and the Philippines and not see what malnourishment looks like over and over again to be able to just, your brain will file it as a pattern of how this looks to people. And I, I actually really wanted him to care. Yeah. Well, I know Brandon has given us permission to talk about this, but, um, ever since I've known him, I've known him as the man with a bazillion allergies. Uh, He couldn't be in my house when we were cooking with garlic. Anything fermented. I remember taking him for sushi, and I thought everything was cool. And then just before the sushi arrived, he says, yeah, I can't have anything fermented. And I go, fermented, fermented, fermented. Rice (laughs) vinegar! Oh, no! Get that stuff away! You know, this kind of thing. Like, he has a card. He hands people when he goes out to dinner. But he tells me now that he's been working with you, he's been able to eat certain foods he's never been able to eat. Yeah, he's got eggs back on the list. He's got, um, I, I, the list was so long. I, I, it is it is a profile though. So let's just say I started the conversation with him knowing he's iron deficient, mm. okay? I don't need a lab to show me there's been iron. Maybe it's not going to be low on the day I checked, but it is, you do not end up with that hair pattern without a history of severe iron deficiency. Mm. And by the time we got his labs, they weren't as awful as my little folks that were in the shelter eating matchsticks, but they he was low. Mm. But more importantly, 
when it takes the patient 15 minutes to tell you their allergies, they're not telling you their allergies. They're telling you how sick their immune system is, how fragile it is. And I did a calculation when I met him because that was like July or something that it's going to be Thanksgiving before this guy gets some freedom. And, you know, it's the week before Thanksgiving when we're recording this. Uh, he last week or this week said, you can't believe the number of things I've added back to my diet. And I think that is worthy of an explanation. So you take somebody like Brandon, who is smart guy, energetic, wants to like take charge of his life, but his brain wasn't performing in the uh, stamina that he wanted, which was what got his attention. Like, yeah. I can only focus for these hours. And then he has this like annoying side history of all those allergies, like, oh, doc, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this. And what my brain is doing while he's telling me this is immune system is broken, immune system is broken, immune system is broken, immune system is broken. Right. You play that game forward the, in the long game, you're going to have cancer in your 50s, you're going to have Alzheimer's in your 60s. Mm. That is a chronic inflammatory problem. And as, a, as his physician, it's my job to figure out what gets his attention. Like, don't distract him by trying to convince him that all these allergies are going to go away. Instead, focus on what motivates him and give him one change at a time. And then the critical part that I see in chronic disease management is you need to be available for the teachable moments, which don't always happen in your office. Mm. And so, you know that Brandon, he's an adventurer. He, yeah. I, I have to always start the conversation. What country are yeah, you? Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> he's edited this show at a Starbucks in Costa Rica before. Yay! <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> now that is a life that needs rewarded. And to think he was going to shackle his life to figure out how to like address some of these allergy issues. I'm like, no, 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 no. You keep just like any person who's got a chronic illness, you keep living your life and let me match your journey with the educational points that I need to help you with when you're ready for them. Mm. And like any human relationship, that's not a perfect equation, but it's pretty amazing how well you can do that in 2018 with, you know, he got his labs done. I assessed him. I'd, I, I've, you know, seen him in person at the keto conference. But from that point forward in our relationship, he's helped me help him because he's in France or wherever he is, you know, and he needed a prescription or he, you know, had an injury. What should I do? Or a gallbladder that might not be working right. What could we do? Yeah. And those stories said, you know what, as we take your body from, because he wasn't keto at all. No. You guys know that, right? Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, he was trying to reduce certain things in his diet, but he certainly ate his share of vegan crap. Mm-hmm. He actually became I, keto as while he was editing the show. Uh, he was like it, listening to the to the show as uh, as he was editing it, going, "Oh, maybe I should try that," and uh, <laughs> became keto during the process. Right. Well, and then by the time I met him, which he'd been doing this for at least a year, maybe a year and a half before I met him, mm. you know, he still was like he was making up his own rules about like. I'm like, if you want to reset what you're, what you need to do to have the best brain performance, I need to nourish your brain. And that comes with this very nutrient dense diet that if you've got all those things to exclude, you don't need to teach them to me. You just need to know them. Mm. And we're going to have to start with one bite at a time on the foods that you can tolerate. 
And I didn't even speak about the possibility of adding them back because it would have been a fight. He, right. he was not ready to hear that. Yeah. And I think that's really critical for when, when you take somebody's hand and say, we're going to change your life one little choice at a time. They don't want to see the, they don't want to see the long game. They want to see today. Yep. They want to see tomorrow. And when you try to give them too much information at once, bam, you're going to lose your audience. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act that we've been playing in our personal lives and on our online, uh, you know, and what we do here is n trying not to overwhelm people with science and, and, and that's important, but you do need to provide the, the links and the follow up and some hardcore geekiness once in a while for those that like it. Oh, and that's me. I, I am so attracted to this show because it's one of the first places I send my patients now. Oh, that's so nice. I didn't accidentally write a book that is a major story, like a story about my mom. And, th but that's how you attract people. And you're doing the same thing with this, with this podcast, which is your stories, which are filled with, you know, successes and failures and, and honest, you know, transparency about, okay, mm. here, here's what I was told. Here's what I think. And then to watch you play it out, it's been, oh, I love it. <laughs> And it's not over yet. That's for sure. We have more to do. Mm. Um, I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your book because I think it's a wonderful book for everyone. It's not like you said, you're telling stories. You're using great metaphors like the the pine needles versus the twigs versus the logs. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that everybody can understand. And, and you know, if, if they want to dive into the science, that's what the Internet is for. This is for... This is for you to understand what's really going on. I really appreciate it. So what more can you tell us about Any Way You Can? The, the story is called Any Way You Can, and it is a moment where my mom, at 71 years old, and I'm her daughter. I am an analytical internal medicine doctor with too much personality. <laughs> <laughs> dull, <And> dull, dull. <laughs> <laughs> She gets a uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia yeah. uh, 10 years prior. And this is one of those little sneaky cancers that hangs out in your white blood cells and it'll creep up. And when the doubling rate becomes so fast is when we need to treat it because it's super sneaky. Hmm. You're going to get more infections. You're going to have trouble fighting off infections. You're going to have an immune system that is kind of like what Brandon's was. It just, it's fragile. And here she was, 71 years old, and we'd already gone through chemo a couple of times. She's probably 50 pounds overweight. And most importantly, she's gone from the Mary Poppins in my life, this energetic woman that can show up in a community event and sprinkle her magic and things happen that I don't even know how to explain to this day. Yeah. But here she was, a walking zombie. You could see through her skin. You could wow. feel her, her death it was, it was there and only a month into me peeing a ketone. Cause I screwed it up like the first four weeks too. Yeah. And the cancer's bad. We know because there's lymph nodes in her neck and her arms that are the size of like a tennis ball. And just before her oncologist walks through the door, she says, if he says cancer, the clothes on the top shelf in my bedroom are the ones I want at the funeral. Wow. Mm. And just like a movie scene, he walks in. I, heart, I can't even breathe. It's that quick of a transition. And our fear comes true. And we get the slip to so, say, go get chemo. 
And as we're walking from the office to go schedule the chemo or to, she, she says, I don't want to do this. And I turn to my mom and say, do you trust me? And she's like, kind of blows me off. Like, of course I trust you. I'm like, no mom, do you 100% trust me? And she turns and looks at me and she can feel the intensity of the question. She gets tears in her eyes and says, with my whole life, I trust you. And I said, let me show you what I would do. And that was the beginning that we were going to fight this any way we could. And in this case, I chose ketosis. And the story is about uh, for this, you know, study session I'd been on for the months before I was taking notes, not knowing that this was going to be my mom was going to be my first major student. Uh, talk about what, you know, just performance is everything. The 10 years of how do you translate advanced science to meet the audience in front of you? That's what I do a good job of. And this story starts at her little bitty problem of, uh, you know, should we have chemo or should we just, because she would have been dead in six months, her immune system. For the 52 weeks in the previous year, she'd been on antibiotics for 50 of them. She was a mess. And they only gave you six weeks, right? The, well, is the, the, well. Are you, that's what so, you asked for. You said, give me six yeah. weeks. I told my mom, give me six weeks. Yeah. Because I thought I'd screw her up as much as I screwed me up. I had done all kinds of like, you know, the sauces or the gum or the things that I just didn't think would have carbs in it. Yeah. Because until you pay attention, they are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we drive to my farmhouse. I write about how important it is to clean up the environment. Uh, you know, the story really engages the reader within those first four chapters of saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. If you really want to change your life, here are the very clear steps that we did with my mom. And I really think that the place this book has been amazing has been when you have somebody who you know is unhealthy. But if you start saying ketogenic diet to them, it's like punching them in the nose oh, saying, yeah. hey, take that, take that bloody nose and do what I tell you to do. Right. Never are you going to engage them in a changed behavior. Hmm. But if you start out saying the 71-year-old woman and her incredibly passionate daughter says, mom, let me help you. And I went to the farmhouse. We emptied it out. We threw away things. We set up a plan for six weeks. We come back at six weeks and having made a ton of mistakes, but every time I went to teach her a little lesson, I was taking these notes, which is where the book came from. Mm. And I didn't plan on writing a book. My husband nudged me saying, you should turn that into a book. You should turn that into a book. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years of marriage, I should start to listen a little mm. sooner. <clears throat> anyway, we get to the six-week point and I had no idea. You know, I'd read the Walter Longo immune systems will shrink if you starve them. Well, we were just ketogenic. We weren't doing fasting. We were just like 100% peeing ketones every day. We weren't checking blood sugars. We weren't doing anything except pee on that stick. It needs to be pink every day. And I really think that's one of the other parts about transitioning somebody who's got an unhealthy life. And then you start throwing all these rules at them. You're going to lose them. You need to start with one simple change. Pee on that stick. Pee on that stick, make it turn pink. Pee on that stick, make it turn pink. And we got to the oncology doctor six weeks later. And it had been doubling every six weeks. Uh, we were hoping that it had only like increased by like 50%, maybe increased by like 25%. I didn't have space in my brain when he said, your numbers are down by 30%. What are you doing? Mm. 
and my mom and I looked at each other and we're like held the side on the stick. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're peeing on the stick. Butter power. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, "Don't tell him! Don't tell him! I don't know how to explain all this yet." <laughs> Your dad did it with her, right? As long as dad got sardines and liverwurst, right. and we're from South Dakota, and it's salt. Like, <laughs> and all like, the things he, he could me, eat. Right? You say this is healthy? <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to argue with you, women. He walks out of the room. <laughs> like, perfect. <laughs> Great. Well, you're you're a delight, and it's a wonderful book, and I wholly encourage all of our listeners to go get a copy, get the Audible version, listen to it in your car, or just download it on your Kindle, or you know the old-fashioned way with pages and numbers and all of that. It's a, uh, it's wonderful, yeah. and I also would encourage you to give it to people who uh, are curious about how to change their lives with the ketogenic diet. Thank you. Well, Annette. thank you, guys. Uh, your show is absolutely part of my curriculum for improving health is I need you to go start at episode one and just every day listen to one of their shows. It's absolutely going to change the way you think. So I am a huge fan. That's great. Well, we're fans of yours now too. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for that. Absolutely. Good luck uh, on, so you're done with exams. So I guess I shouldn't say good luck. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Heard you say y'all do for a little yeah, she's a gun, that one, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to watch out for those convicted felons. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you ever wanted a doctor who was able to diagnose you across the room, Annette Bosworth is the one. Yeah. I just love the fact that, you know, she's an into root causes, not just handing out pills. We need all of the doctors in the world to be more like Annette. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, be like Annette. Well, mm. uh, that uh, interesting conversation got me a little bit hungry. You're a bit peckish, are you, Carl? Yeah, a little peckish, and maybe it's time to share some, um, uh, what do you call them? Recipes! <laughs> oh, yeah, recipes. <laughs> Jeez, I almost fell out of my seat. <laughs> what are you, nuts? <laughs> At least you didn't rip your freckle out this time. <laughs> what you got, Carl? Oh, I got something so easy, it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. So I was making the obligatory once a month uh, fried fish dinner at my house, which is basically taking big hunks of cod and uh, rolling them up in egg wash and pork Mm -hmm. panko or panko, you know, breadcrumbs from pork rinds and Mm -hmm. uh, deep frying or pan fried. We deep fried them this time. And I had Mm -hmm. some shrimp, too, because I was like, yeah, I could fancy some shrimp. Now, I got this idea for frying the shrimp without batter, but with spice, from, of all places, a local chain steakhouse called Longhorn Steakhouse. They have these wings there that are just coated in herbs and spices, mostly Mm -hmm. spices. I didn't really taste any herbs. But the spice mixture and the salt sort of coats it and makes this little crispy outer shell that when you know mm. you eat it it's 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 kind of nice nice a lot kind of a lot like a, a you know if it was dusted in flour except there's little to no carbs in there mm. and i looked on their website to see yes indeed they list those wings one serving as zero carbs so okay i remember i had some old bay seasoning in the cabinet and old bay is it's like the taste of maryland crab cakes yeah, it's a Maryland specialty, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, and they sell it in seafood stores all over, up and down the East Coast, and probably out west too, and anywhere else in America. But uh, celery salt seems to be the dominant flavor. 
but yeah. uh, we don't we don't get it in Australia. At least I don't think we get it from any spices. But I I I understand apparently that Master Foods do make an Old Bay spice. So. Mm. That should be possible to get. So you got somewhere. celery, salt, cayenne pepper, a little paprika. If you wanted to do something that mm-hmm. um, estimates it, maybe a little garlic and onion powder. You know the the typical stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't taste any cumin mm-hmm. in there, but celery salt mm-hmm. does seem to be the dominant flavor. So anyway, all I did was I took the shrimp, dusted in Old Bay, and dropped them in the fryer. And this is lard we're talking about. And man, those are just you know just for maybe thirty seconds. Yeah. Nice. And they're just so tasty and spicy. Interestingly, and I'll I'll get a recipe together for this, but it was almost embarrassing at how how much I called in the sauce. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> I had gotten this vitamin supplement for my wife who hates taking pills but needed to up her nutrients. Mm-hmm. And so we got this tropical fruit flavored, sugar free vitamin solution that didn't have any iron and that was really important because mm. i guess iron um when you take it with other vitamins tends to not work as well okay so i guess i guess the idea or the the what the conventional wisdom is that you take iron after you take your other vitamins an hour after or so and, and then you'll, it'll absorb better mm. anyway this stuff has a funky tropical fruit juicy taste to it and it's sugar-free. Like juicy fruits. Juicy. Yeah, juicy fruit taste. Yeah. yeah. So basically what I did is I took some water and allulose in equal parts. And I took some sambal olek, which is chili paste. It's hot. Yeah. Spicy. Yeah. Put that mm-hmm. in there along with a, a dash of this tropical fruit vitamin solution. And I'm sorry <laughs> I don't have the brand, wow. but I'll I'll put an A. I know. It's crazy. It sounds disgusting. <laughs> it does sound disgusting. However, when you realize that every, you know, ch- Thai restaurant in the world comes with some sugary chili sauce that has a tropical sure. fruit flavor. It actually mm-hmm. works. So I, I thickened it with a little xanthan gum, and of course that made it set up and and turn into like mm-hmm. a little jelly. And yeah, it was great. And nice. it, and here's the thing though, it did not mix with Old Bay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. However, they would be good with coconut shrimp, I think. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Nice. So anyway, that the last part, that sauce is an aside. My real recipe is put some shrimp in Old Bay and fry it, eat it, yum. And you get a nice coating on the outside of it. Nice crispy nice. coating. What you got, man? So my recipe is actually what I had for dinner uh, the night before last. Uh, it was actually the night of my last exam. And uh-huh. of course, uh, this is the kind of meal that you cook when it's whiskey o'clock. <laughs> You know. Scotch o'clock. <laughs> Scotch o'clock, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I'd been six months uh, in the development of this uh, <laughs> of this semester, right. and I just finished the last exam, and uh, yeah. So I, got, right. I, I started in on the whiskey, and then I was and, – and I had some steak. I had some ribeye in bags in the fridge for sous vide. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, sous vide – Beef is just so easy. So good, you just, too. Yeah. So I, what I do with this is I just I put it in a, in a vacuum vacuum bag. I put a little bit of olive oil on it first and a little bit of salt, put it the, in the bag. Normally, I'd add maybe thyme, but because, of course, kind I'm of carnivore this, this year, can't remember this month, so I'm only using salt um, and meat and water pretty much. Oh, and mm. eggs and dairy a little bit as well. Right. So anyway, uh, in a vacuum sucked bag, I've got a perfect ribeye it's an angus beef ribeye 
and it's absolutely delicious. And so what I do is I put it in the sous vide. I use an Anova sous vide stick and I throw it on at 51 Celsius for about an hour. Um, if you go into the Anova app and you just say, look, I want to cook a steak, the steak is ribeye and I want it uh, medium rare to rare, mm-hmm. uh, then it, it will set it up for you exactly uh, 51.1 degrees and uh, an hour. Okay, so here's the thing. I wanted to do surf and turf. Uh, surf and turf, of course, is uh, traditionally steak and lobster, or right. you can have um, prawns, uh, shrimp if you want. Meat and seafood. Um, meat and seafood, yeah. So I thought I'm. I've got some. I've got some shrimp in my freezer. I'm going to go get some shrimp. I'm going to pull them out. I'm going to throw them in a Ziploc bag, and I'm going to put them into the hot water, and it'll be delicious. And I'll have surf and turf. And I went to my freezer, and my freezer wasn't on. Oh! And it hadn't. It hadn't been on for four weeks. Oh! And it smelt like a corpse. Oh. <laughs> I know that I know. smell. Yeah. I had bad electricity in my house too. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, somebody actually uh, accidentally unplugged it about four weeks ago. Ugh. So so anyway, there's a, there's a whole bunch of inedible food, including the shrimp that I was going to use for my uh, <laughs> surf and turf. Crikey! Okay, so so now <laughs> my steak that's been on that's going on the sous vide for an hour has been in there for ten minutes, and so I get on my bike and I ride to the shopping centre because I am just craving surf and turf. Right. Once I've got this idea in my head, I'm determined to fin- to 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 see it through. And of course, I was already uh, one finger into the whiskey. So. Oh no! <laughs> so so I was really committed. Um, Wait so a minute. I, I wrote Are you to- convicted felon now? <laughs> no, no, I, got, I managed to get away. They can't catch me that easily. So I rode to the shop intending to buy some shrimp. They didn't. They had some shrimp, but it was really nasty looking. And I thought, mm. oh, that uh, it looked sort of mushy. Yeah, yeah. You, Stay you away. don't want shrimp that's mushy. Stay away from that. But right next to the shrimp, they had some rock lobster tails, which Ooh. were absolutely lovely looking little rock. Just the just the, the, the tail chopped off of the rock lobster. Yeah. They're not very long. They're about, um, oh, but maybe four inches long. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're a delicacy in Australia. So so anyway, um, I, I bought two of these rock lobster tails, got back on my bike, uh, and by the time I got home, uh, there was sort of 10 minutes left to go in the in the steak before the steak was finished cooking. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly looked up, and it turns out that the ideal temperature to cook lobster for is 54 Celsius. Hmm. Okay, so my steak was on at 51 Celsius, so all I was going to do was pull the steak out, Crank up the temperature to 54, throw the lobster in, um, and uh, Bob's your... Bob's your uncle. Bob's your auntie's living lover. So anyway, (laughs) the problem here, though, is that they're in the shell. And, of course, lobster in the shell is very difficult to get out. Right. So the first thing that you want to do is you want to get a chopstick, and you want to stick the chopstick down the... down the back of the lobster, yep. right to the tail, and what that's going to do is it's going to force the tail to not to not um, uh, sort of uh, curl up. Okay, right. so it keeps the tail straight. Yeah, and then you put some boiling water on, and you're going to blanch the lobster tail in boiling water for a minute, no okay. longer. All right, and you. You, I used the chopsticks. I had these. <laughs> I had these chopsticks with lobsters stuck on the end, like a lobster lollipop. Yeah. And <laughs> I dipped these things in the boiling water for a minute, and then I pulled them out and put them in 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 water with ice blocks in it, so that I was chilling them down again. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, 
a pair of kitchen shears, you can easily get the, the shells off. So, oh, nice. Uh, nice yeah, tip. Yeah, so the t- tails came out perfectly. So, so I put them into a Ziploc bag and I put uh, about 50 grams of butter uh, into the Ziploc, salted butter, nice. into the Ziploc bag, cranked up the sous vide, pulled the steak out so I was going to start searing the steak and dropped the lobster into the sous vide, into the water. Now, I had this lobster shell and I thought, it's a shame to throw that away because lobster shell has so much flavour in it. Right. What you have to do is you have to fry it. You have to roast it and fry it in oil. That's right. And that releases all the flavours and you can use that as stock. Mm. So what I did was I, I put a 50 grams more of butter in a small little pan and I fried up those uh, lobster shells. So you got lobster butter. I got lobster butter and it's like, it, it is like orange and it's just oh. total ess- essence of lobster. So- so I had the lobsters sitting in the sous vide pot of water, and it was, as I said, it was in a Ziploc bag. So the Ziploc was right at the top surface of the water. So what I did was I snuck the Ziploc open just a little bit and poured all of this lobster butter in mm. <laughs> into the Ziploc. And so that so for the it's basically the the lobster was in there for fifteen minutes stewing in its own juices and oh. a little bit of butter. And so then. I, I seared my steak. That's just a, a, a sort of a minute each side on a very hot pan, and uh, and sliced the steak up so that you could see that it was medium rare. Yep. And you'll see the photo on my Facebook. I saw it. It was amazing. <laughs> but that little lobster tail that was poached in its own juices oh, at about so 130 good. Fahrenheit. You said 54 Celsius. 54 Celsius, yeah, yeah, about 130 Fahrenheit for about 15 minutes. That's all it takes. Just yeah. in a little Ziploc bag, doesn't a little bit of butter, and, you know, if you want to torture it properly by putting it in its own juices. It's and come to think delicious. of it, any seafood, shrimp, mussels, uh, scallops, lobster tail, crab, would all be really nice at 54 Celsius with butter in a sous vide bag. Come to think of it, mmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've got some ideas. I'm going to get some crab, I think. Ah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, okay. that's my recipe. <laughs> Sorry, I was daydreaming there. Uh, well, I guess that's a show, Richard. <laughs> of course, if you have anything you want to tell, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research you found, a support or a few, anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at twoketodudes. Make sure to use the hashtag... Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.twoketo.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, like t shirts, coffee mugs, and all that other junk, head on over to gear.twoketo.com. And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the Two Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2kilo.com. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2kilo.com. You can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2kilo.com. And if you haven't already, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new mm-hmm. people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And keep calm and keto on. Yeah, keep calm keto on, Carl. All right, we'll see you next time on, on Two, Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.